0: This is the sound of the new Raspberry Watermelon Dunkin' Refresher. And sure, your ears might be all like, nope, that's just the sound of an ordinary iced coffee shaking in a cup. But this sonata, created from a sweet yet subtly tart blend of raspberry and watermelon flavors harmoniously joining in a cup, it could only be the new Raspberry Watermelon Dunkin' Refresher. Try it and all the Dunkin' Refreshers this summer. Dunkin' Iced. America runs... On Duncan. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer terms apply.
1: I look over in the vehicle and I see my victim. Her eyes are still open and she's kind of looking up in the car. And then I say, What's her name? And they tell me her name is Kayla. From that moment on, I started seeing my own child in this vehicle because my daughter's name is Kayla.
0: Welcome to the global phenomenon Surviving the Survivor, where we're all just trying to survive in a rough world.
2: What's up, STS Nation, and welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in all of true crime. I know you think I'm talking too loud right now, because you're looking at, you gave me the look already, Carm. Welcome to Sunday Nights. I
3: think think you are a little paranoid, Joel, because (laughs) I absolutely was... Welcome mm -hmm.
2: to Sunday Nights with Carm on the case arm not worried about you interrupting me tonight. I'm interrupting, uh, worried about you interrupting our guests. So let me get this out here, and we'll get cracking. Uh, today, you're about to hear the remarkable story of the case that defined Detective Sergeant Chris Anderson's career. The story is detailed in his new book, aptly called The Case, ab- available right now as we speak on Amazon at a discounted price right now. The case av- available on Amazon.
3: It just came out on March second, correct?
2: Yes, ma'am. That's right. March second, <laughs> and today is I don't know March. March twelfth. 12th. 12th. Been out ten so it days. It only came
3: out ten days ago. Hot
2: off the presses. Uh, and the That's best good. guest, as you can assume, is Detective Sergeant Chris Anderson, a retired Birmingham Police Department veteran with twenty-seven years of experience in law enforcement. The detective sergeant also co-hosted Investigation Discovery ID channel television series, Reasonable Doubt, and you've seen him before, for sure, on a First 48 Birmingham. He is also a host of the Crime and Cookie Juice podcast, and as we mentioned, author of the just-released book, The Case. Go out and buy it now. A quick couple of programming notes. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitter. We are at Podcast. STS and look at this guys best guests and true crime right here we're getting a merch store put up on surviving the survivor.com hats shirts magnets you can put my mom on your refrigerator who doesn't want to see my mom yelling but at you them should
3: say best guests and best people watching
2: a hundred percent we have one that says STS nation and look at this Sky Ricky writes I received the book congratulations Followed by Miss Linda. I just received my book today. Followed by, oh, Ali Snow saying STS. Followed by HK Schubert saying, Chris, you are super smart. He sure is. Followed by Brandy saying, love you, Chris. And HK Schubert also saying a couple. Hello, Chris and Joel. And Joel's mom. Hi. And 503Decal. Hi, Carm. Hi, Joel. Okay, so, Chris, without further ado, for those of you who have been living under a rock, and obviously the future has not because they write, love Detective Sergeant Chris Anderson. He was great on First 48 and Reasonable Doubt and is definitely a best guest, STS Nation for sure. So, Chris, 27 years, I believe, you were uh, in uh, law enforcement. uh, Some of those years as a homicide detective. This book is about the case, hence the title, yeah. The Case. Um, right. Someone on here, I wish I could find it because I just skipped over it and it might be a great place to start, although it might jump us ahead. Um, where did that go? Where did it go? Where did it go? Where did it go? Um, anyway, it's right here. Where did it go? Uh, someone asked, what was that 911 call like uh, for this case? I don't know if that's a good place uh-huh. to start. But um, kick us off, tell us, um, you know, why this case resonated and tell us about it, because we really don't know much of the story, as I don't right. think most of STS Nation. So wherever you'd like to begin, let's start there. We
3: are ordering sure. book, but we didn't order it yet.
2: Already interrupted.
1: <laughs> it's quite all right. So, yeah, I, I'll start talking about the, the, the night that Carl came in. See, let, let me give, give you a little bit of background. I've been a, an investigator for uh, probably seven or eight years before the, the, this this night ever happened. And my years in investigative work, I had, uh, you know, I'd done everything that I could to be the best investigator I could be, but I wasn't much of a husband. I wasn't much of a father back then. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I thought that the job was... You know, as a father, I believed in protecting my family, and I thought the way that I did that was by working as much as I did. Hence, I I missed a lot of time with my family. By the time that this this I had been promoted to homicide, I I, and I write about my the way that I tracked through uh, the investigative bureaus and and, in with Birmingham Police Department. I write a little bit about that in in the book, but the the night that this case came about, uh, I was probably. My marriage was was failing. I was a terrible father, and uh, you know I had gone through a lot of trauma throughout the the, the few years that I've been in homicide, and it was undiagnosed traumas, just from being the type of person that I am. I'm a top, I'm a people person. I love people. I care a lot about people, and 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 uh, you know I I don't subscribe that everyone is bad. So I like to see the best in people. So, uh, but it, being that type of person, I, I, you know, I came so dedicated to, to the job that I wasn't, uh, you know, I just wasn't a good, very good husband. So the night that this case happened, I had, I was coming off of closing a huge, uh, a pretty big case within itself that I, uh, and it didn't take me nearly as long as it did to take to solve that case as it did this case that we're talking about, but I was just closing the case and I found myself sitting in my office, it's about seven o'clock at night, about, well, it's probably about six o'clock in the afternoon. My wife is just getting off work. She calls me over the phone and we're trying to, you know, mend our relationship because we had been on on uh, a, a very rocky path for about, you know, for some years there. So uh, she calls me and she's like, you know, what, what do you want for dinner? And uh, I, you know, I tell her, you know, she's like, good, I'm, I'm I'm, making us dinner so we can share a night together to try to start conversating and working on our marriage. And as I'm about to leave, I remember I have something else I needed to do at the office. So I'm thinking I'm just going to go right in the office, finish this up right quick, and then I'm going to leave uh, and and go home and, and, and sit with my kids and my wife and share some time with them. Well... Three and a half hours after that, you know, my wife is at home. I'm still at the office, still working. You know, it's now 10 o'clock. My kids are pretty much, it's, it's their bedtime now. Uh, and I remember that, oh, I was supposed to have dinner with my family, you know. So make it back to the house. And, uh, you know, of course, my wife is upset. My kids are just itching to see me and spend some time with me. You know, I spent a little time with them and, uh, you know, my wife is just, she's just kind of just done with it. You know, she goes to bed and, you know, we go to bed, man. Cause I want, I'm doing everything I can to avoid any type of discussion or, or, or confrontation or anything, you know, just like most men, you know, so I I, I get in the bed and you know I can I can feel her like breathing uh, you know at the back of my neck and now and now it's it's almost eleven o'clock at night and I can laugh about this now me and my wife and I we we as I'm writing the book I'm telling her about, you know I'm telling her what I'm writing and she's like oh yeah I remember that night you know you, you should put this in there <laughs> you know that's that's how that's how the writing process Chris let me ask you
2: real far. quick how how old are you at this point how long have you been married how old are your oh, wow. kids roughly okay.
1: So roughly, you know, I'm I'm probably in my early thirties. I, I I got married very, very, very young. My wife was 18 years old. I was 20 years old when I got married. I hadn't been to college uh, at that time, and uh, you know, we were about to have a kid. We were out of, just out of high school, and I, I, you know, that's you know that's that's the way things happen with us. Uh, and by the time this case happened. I was in my early 30s. Uh, She was right at 30 years old. My daughter at the time, I think, was maybe 10. And, you know, my son was uh, maybe seven or eight years old.
2: So, you know, these are my young kids. Yeah. Real quick, real quick, because I want to get SCS Nation involved here. Sherry's News writes, I need glasses now. Please don't beat yourself up, Sergeant Chris. You are not alone with dads working all the time and not spending time with their children and wife, I've had a couple of nights like that with my wife too, where I <laughs> right. try to stay as far over on the other side of the bed as I can. Patricia Burns, mm-hmm. six foot five, of laser focused gentle giant, is Chris Anderson, and followed mm-hmm. here. Did I just uh, I read that one? And then mm-hmm. friend of the show, Jimmy C. Hi, SDS Nation, all time favorite true crime show, Reasonable Doubt. Holla out, Chris Anderson, season six question mark. Um, okay, so let's let's pick it up there. So uh you missed this dinner. You're trying don't to
3: don't interrupt him anymore. By the way, my <laughs> <our laughs> lovely
2: mother is a licensed marriage therapist, so this is really? a good one for her to tune into. Yeah, but
3: uh Okay, so so we were that you are in bed.
2: <laughs> yes, yes. So so I'm in bed
1: with my wife. I you know, I've taken my shower and I'm 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 laying down and I'm trying to go to sleep because I'm trying to avoid this, but I'm on call. <laughs> After being in the bed for probably about 15 minutes, then it happens, I get the call from my dispatcher. They call me on my cell phone and tell me, hey, we have a a homicide that we need you to come out on. Uh, And and what I didn't mention, my my son, well, you met my son. uh, You know, my son is a fan of the show, which he's probably watching this now. Um, Shout out to Chris uh,
2: Anderson Jr.
1: That's right. That's my boy, CJ. My daughter's name is Kayla. My, I, I have actually two daughters, but my, the daughter that I'm speaking of, her name is Kayla. She lives in the house with us. Uh, so at any rate, I get the call. I head out to the location. And uh, as I'm there, it's just it's really eerie because on the way there, you know, I'm thinking about my family, thinking about the time that I miss with them. And, you know, I'm, I'm figuring out, you, know, you you need to go back and apologize to your wife. Because she didn't ask to be in this, this this predicament. You made the choices to go to these units and 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 serve in this capacity. So she didn't ask for this, but you're making her suffer through it. So these are the things that I'm saying to myself. And by the time I figure out, okay, I'm, a, I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna apologize, we're gonna talk this thing out. I get to the crime scene. And uh, you know, because I'm missing the time with my kids. Also, so uh get to the crime scene and this I, I remember the crime scene so vividly. Uh, that I get out there and there are a bunch of young students, young, young college-age kids that are just outside of the crime scene, and they're all bawling and crying. And uh, the crime scene's been roped off, and the vehicle that's involved in it, in, in, that's, that's my my actual crime scene, is lodged up on a, a pile of bricks, and and the gear is still moving. You know, They hadn't been able to, to get the car shut off or anything like that. So I'm, I'm writing down notes and uh, and I'm, I'm I'm thinking to myself processing everything that I need to do before I go over to the crime scene and look into it. So after a few minutes, uh, you know, they get the car shut off and get it in a manner that is safe for us to really approach things. So I walk over to the uh, the lead officer and he's giving me a rundown of. You know the lay of the land. You know he's telling me we got so many witnesses over here, and you know we got to call at a certain amount of time. You know at this time of night, and I'm writing down notes, and then that's when I look over in the vehicle and I see my victim, and you know she's a, a just a a young girl, young lady. Uh, she didn't, you know, you can tell if a person has been out in the streets or or, a, or was a person that that had a, you know, some sort of of, of Drug use background. This woman did not match any of those. She was. She was a very. She didn't. She didn't belong in the set of circumstances that she was in. And uh, as I'm looking at her, and her eyes are still open, and she's kind of looking up in the car, and I see her eyes, and I look at her, and and then I say, "What's her name?" And they tell me her name is Kayla. So from that moment on. You know, I started seeing my own child in this vehicle. You know, my, because my daughter's name is Kayla. This young lady is not that much older than my child, uh, so I'm like, I'm like, well, you know, well, because I have to take a pause because it's it's, it's these are flashes that happen with investigators sometimes. You know, it, it it I could see my own child being in this vehicle, and I immediately begin to feel for the family. You know that the, they they'll never see their child again, and it's up to me to speak for her. And then another thing is, man, I'm I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm missing my own kids. I, I, my kids are right here, and I've not been here for them in, in years. So, you know, I had to snap myself out of it, and I began to focus again on what what the task at hand. So. This case takes a, a lot of different turns, but that's the night that I realized how much of a, a, a problem that I had. I started realizing that question myself.
2: Hang on one sec. It's question time for No, no,
3: You know what? I know it's a it's a crazy, crazy comparison, but mm-hmm. what was the name of the that very famous quarterback who um, – who now lives here in Tom Brady, Tom Brady. He also like, he was so into his career Mm -hmm. that he let his wife go. Yeah. Yeah. And then he was devastated.
2: He couldn't retire. He couldn't retire from football. And And I I ran into something similar myself because I was traveling three weeks out of every month for being a news reporter and, uh, had young kids and, uh, had to make a decision and the young Um, wife and a young wife. Yes. But, Mm -hmm. uh, how to make that decision. But let me ask you a question. So when you are called uh, to a homicide scene, what do they tell you? Did you know this was going to be a young woman? What What did you know before getting on scene? You just knew it was a homicide. Did you know how many people were involved? Anything of that nature?
1: No. So dispatchers have basic information when we are called out. And 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 they, they, they'll tell you, we have a, a victim uh, that's inside of a vehicle. Uh, the vehicle, I remember them saying that the vehicle's tires were still engaged. And I remember them telling me the location. Uh, so that's, that's about all of the information I had, everything else you'll find
2: out once you get there on the crime scene. And you, um, so you pull up, you see the tires are still rotating. And was it just this one victim, Kayla? Was there any other, that was a, and it
1: was a shooting. Yeah. It was a shooting. Well, we, we learned it later, but yeah, it was a shooting. Uh, and, and what we learned later was that she was the victim of an attempted carjacking. She, and, and and I'll give you this. She was part, remember back in the, uh, in in the, you know, when we first started getting cell phones and people were using them and they would tell you, you got to use your cell phone, pull up into a well-lit area, use your cell phone there. And that's exactly what she did. She was doing exactly what she was supposed to do. She pulled into a wide open parking lot for a school. It was very well lit and uh, it was just off of her college campus because she went to a local college here in Alabama, uh, in in Birmingham, uh, and she was doing exactly what she was supposed to do uh, in order to follow the law. And she lost her life behind it. You know, as in a homicide, working cases like I did in homicide, you don't... There are, you don't have, I, and I, I try to be sensitive when I say this. Sometimes people will uh, indulge themselves in activities where they are more, than, more likely to lose their lives. But then you have some cases that you have a completely innocent victim. We, don't have, we didn't have that many of those cases, they're, they're completely innocent victims. Uh, and Kayla was a completely innocent person
2: and she lost her life. She was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, Absolutely. I'm going to keep trying to get some comments. And Andy Schoolwright, John Carm, congratulations on landing the Chris Anderson. I enjoyed him in First 48. Uh, his newer show I watch regularly. His Chairside manner Exemplary. Can't wait to read your book. You can get the case on Amazon right now. This comment makes me laugh just the way it's written. Northern Ireland, Poop is the name. Joel, you are the spit out of your mum's mouth. No disrespect in Ireland. That just means you look so alike, which is funny. Um, so you miss this dinner, and now you're you showered. You're, you're getting ready to go to bed. You go to sleep, I guess. You're 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 dealing with a crisis at work. A young mm-hmm. woman named Kayla is dead. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't know why, how she was shot, and your wife. Is not happy with you. Um, Absolutely. Not. I guess your kids are maybe not that happy with you either. So you're in this struggle. What's day two look like? It's kind of like the first forty eight. <laughs> oh yeah. So day two, uh, well,
1: I was still at work. You know, we spent almost uh, we we rode for about thirty six hours straight on this case, following up leads, trying to drum up information uh, because, like they said, you know, on the first forty-eight, they always tell you that the first forty-eight hours are the most important. You know, you lose it. It you get, you are almost fifty percent, almost sixty percent less likely to solve that case if you don't have a lead within the first forty-eight hours. So we rode and 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 talked to people and and pushed on this case uh, for a I know thirty-six hours straight, and. Uh, you know, we were just going door to door, knocking on, uh, talking to people, talking, trying to obtain video evidence, talking to Kayla's mom. And, and what ended up happening was Kayla just so happened to be on the phone with a friend of hers uh, who was in Auburn. Uh, auburn is I don't know if you know anything. auburn the, the, He was in Auburn, Alabama, uh, where University of Auburn uh, is when when this actually happened and i didn't know that at the time he was my first suspect honestly uh because i had to clear him of anything before i could move on to anyone else and i won't call him a, a suspect he was a person of interest uh i thought that he you know he may have had something to do with it because it's just strange you know you're there uh on the phone with someone when they they were murdered so you know you've got to clear that up as an investigator so I called him got him on the phone and we talked for about 15 to 20 minutes over the phone and he says well detective listen i'm on my way back to birmingham now i'll be at your office uh in about two and a half hours Now, you know the the homicide happened at about 11 to 12 o'clock i want to say but uh so he comes back to birmingham he shows up at my office about six o'clock that following morning and after i talked to him you know uh his story was pretty believable but i didn't want to do anything you know i didn't clear him until after i got physical evidence that proved that he was nowhere near the crime scene when the murder happened so uh and and that was the only real lead that i had initially in the case and now that was that was gone so uh after talking to all of the students that were there just so happened to find out kelly was at a party that night and uh there was nothing that happened at the party that would you know would lead them to believe that anyone at the party had anything to do with her homicide was, that that was another lead that I had to you know clear up before I could move on in the in the case so that's the reason why it took me almost 36 hours to 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 go back home because for those 36 hours I was at work the entire time
2: me and my partner so yeah we uh in that period of time, did you get a call from the wife or anything asking how you were, or did you, did you feel the coldness?
1: No, and I don't think that it was the coldness. I think that she had become so numb to me leaving out. Knowing when I get these calls, it's probably going to be some time before I make it back home. She just she would she knew how I worked. Uh, she knew even if she did call, I probably would have to send it to voicemail. Uh, uh, if I'm in an interview or something like that, but I just tried to, she, she knew that I, I had to stay focused on what I was doing and that was the ultimate, that was her ultimate goal. She didn't want to make, unless it was an absolute emergency, she didn't want to take my focus away from what I was doing.
2: So that's thoughtful, thoughtful.
1: That is, uh, it, absolutely.
2: Yeah, Jody Johnson writes, Oh no, I'm 50 minutes late from Virginia here. I'll take this over the red carpet and Oscars any day. <laughs> Screw the Oscars. I hate the Oscars. You know who nah, I the Oscars? This no, this one loves I, the Oscars. I do
3: not miss it She'll because catch it's, the Oscars. A, it's so long that uh, you'll still that, see it uh, by time I I really am. This is very good for the pre-Oscars.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Patricia writes, My twin sister is named Kayla. Ali Snow writes, This is an amazing story and it's only the beginning. And look at this, my knit saloon. Can you please read the first three rows or so from your book, Chris? I think that means first three sentences. You want to read the first paragraph to us, Chris? So the, uh,
3: That's a great idea.
2: It is a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> the first paragraph.
1: So, okay. So I, I'll, I'll read it from chapter one because I don't, I don't start the book talking about this actual case. I actually started talking about my background. And I, I take the readers on how I process or how I moved through the detective bureau and how each bureau affected me, affected me in my marriage. So chapter one, being a homicide detective with the Birmingham Police Department was the most challenging experience I ever had as a cop. In homicide, you're tasked in every case to bring those responsible to justice. You're also responsible for making sure that the right person is prosecuted for their crime. For most of my career, that's what I chose to do. After 22 years as a cop, with 17 of those years as an investigator, I realized that law enforcement was much more than a job for me. It was my ministry. And like any ministry, some people become so caught up in their work that they forget the most important things. Marriage, family, enjoying life, and the
2: short time that you have on earth. That's the first two paragraphs. Beautiful paragraph. Carm, I would like to ask you, she is, as I said, a retired marriage therapist. What about this um, push and pull with married couples? And it could be very well in today's world, the woman working much more than the man. Uh, What advice do you have for couples who are struggling with the fact that one or both spouses is working too much and leaving too much responsibility with the kids on the other spouse? Any advice?
3: Well, ideally... I mean, ideally, in most jobs, there are certain jobs that you cannot sort of set limits because when a homicide comes in, you have to go. But okay. in most jobs, you have to learn to kind of uh, pace yourself. Okay. And and uh, during uh, COVID, bad as COVID was, it taught people... That they will survive without going in the office and working till eight or nine at, at night.
2: I heard a, a rabbi during the height of the pandemic who was very inspirational, saying it was the great reset. It allowed people oh, I to didn't
3: know. I didn't to see
2: reset that. their lives and figure out their priorities. And he was trying to see the good and all the bad of the pandemic. But but
3: on the other hand, on the other hand, like my son-in-law. Uh, sometimes he comes home very late because he does angioplasty, heart specialist. And if somebody comes into the emergency room, he has to do it because he's on call. Right. But he cannot just you know, go home. And, and my daughter is very accepting of that. Chris,
2: everyone in my family is a doctor except for me. That's why I wear my black sheep t-shirt, which I should have <laughs> well, worn tonight. It,
3: it's not about <laughs> you.
2: <laughs> LBC, we're getting back to no, Chris but, right now no, very big fan Chris, of all three of you Chris, thank you I, I know you didn't hear that enough where
3: we got interrupted We got interrupted. she went to the party she didn't do anything crazy and, and that's where that's where you talk and, to her friends and you're
2: 36 hours into this now and by yes. the way here's a t- if you guys have questions like these please throw them our way HK wants to know Chris what kind of car was she in because you are looking at every detail Absolutely, she was in a uh, two-door BMW. I can't
1: remember the exact year, but it was a pretty new BMW that her her father had purchased for her uh, uh, for during her graduation. Because look, during this time, I really got to figure out who this young lady was, uh, and and she is, and I describe her in the book, and I and and, and I think the the best line to describe her is that she is the type of person. the type of child that every father wants to raise. She she made good grades. She always volunteered. She always worked to help out others. She volunteered for a a lot at her school. She volunteered to help her grandparents. Every morning, she would stop by their houses to to do things like take trash out, uh, make sure that their bills are paid, make sure that everything, uh, you know, is, is working well in their homes, you know. She's just a a, a wonderful, she was a wonderful, 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 amazing person. And I hate that when I was introduced to her, I had to be introduced to her under the circumstances that we had. But there was someone that I met during this investigation that not only, you know, helped me as as a become a, a better investigator, but she helped me out as, you know, in in becoming a better man. And that was Kayla's mother. And I write a lot about her in the
2: book. And uh, how soon into the investigation do you meet Kayla's mother? What is her name? And I assume you guys are still in contact today?
1: Yes, we are. Uh, Her name is Robin Uh, and uh, Robin and I and her, her, Kayla's brother, we all, we lost contact a little bit after COVID but uh recently when I told them that I was I was about to to, to dive into this book you know they uh they gave me the blessings for it and uh you know she was pretty happy about it and I, I finally opened up and was transparent about how much she helped me as a husband because I met her probably five or ten hours into the investigation uh after I had uh, I brought all the kids that were at the party with Kayla down to my office and spoke with them. And of course, her friend that she was on the phone with, uh, he was down there. And I I noticed, I didn't know who she was, but she was sitting down at the front of my, uh, in our police lobby. And I asked her, could I help her? And she was like, yes, my daughter is Kayla. uh, And I need to speak to the investigator that's working her case. So uh, I bring her upstairs and I had been out, already been out over and talked with her brother and her, her father, but I never spoke with the mother because they were separated at the time. Uh, so I bring her upstairs and, I, and then she really, you know, just tells me who Kayla was and the type of person that she was. And, uh, you know, it, it was it was it was bad to hear uh, that this beautiful woman, this beautiful soul had lost her life. Uh, because and she was a completely innocent victim.
2: Let me ask you: um, Did she, at the point where you saw her that evening, she already knew that Kayla had passed, or do you? you she were, and how? I mean, I, how, how was she reacting to all the to all that in that immediate moment? I mean, she was broken. Hmm. She was extremely broken.
1: But you know, the only address that, that the night that it happened, I, mean, I went and made the death notification to Kayla's father, which he already knew because, like I said, the friend was on the phone with her, and he had already called the brother and uh, Kayla's brother uh, Matthew, and Matthew had come down to the crime scene. And by the time he got down there, I had already left with all of the students that were, you know, there on on, on the scene. Uh, so he just didn't know, you know, look, I. I I've been on the other side of a homicide investigation, and I know how things happen. They happen very, very quick. You are way out of your, your, your anything that you've ever experienced in your life. You don't know where to go. You don't know who to talk to. You know. So he finally went back to his house. I went over to his house and spoke with he and his father,
2: and they went and called Kayla's mother, who then came down to my building and spoke with me. Is that the hardest part of the job, the death notification for families? And h- how do you do it? Is it like you see on TV? I mean, h- how do you do it? How do you approach it? It is the
1: hardest, the hardest portion of any homicide case. Telling a person that their loved one will no longer be home or that you're never going to see a loved one again is the absolute hardest thing I have had to do in my career. Um and I, I hated every one of them, but I wanted to make sure that I was the one that went to these families' houses because I would be the one that was speaking for their loved one. So uh yeah, it was the absolute hardest. And I don't know, I don't know how I I, I managed it. I, I I just figured out a way um to manage it. You know, sometimes, look, I'm the type of person like we'll have homicide, most homicide detectives. This is something that I hear a lot, heard it a lot when I was working on reasonable doubt. I heard it a lot when I was uh, working cold cases. You know, the the, the detectives came over to my house and they were so stoic, they acted like they didn't care. Well, a lot of times as an investigator, you have to detach yourself from the emotions within the case, because that's the way you stay focused. If 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 you attach yourself emotionally to a case, sometimes some people will miss something. And for me, it was different. I couldn't detach myself from the emotion. There, there were plenty of times, even with Kayla's case, there were plenty of times that she and I would sit there and I'm having to console her and wipe my own eyes because I'm, I'm crying because I, I hate to see anyone in pain. And, she, and, and my family, my victim's families, they were in pain losing their loved ones.
2: Uh, by the way, just to lighten it up for a quick moment, Judy Sullivan, who in their right mind watches the Oscars <laughs> now? It's a great question. To screw the Oscars from H.K. Schubert to no red carpet this year, and then to this kind of, love, I love STS, future rights. The That's Oscars right. are on, question mark? Oh, well. Okay, so, um, so she is, Kayla is shot and killed. Uh, Thirty-six hours go by. The family finds out. Um, they're obviously devastated. Carm, you have a question? You're raising. Yeah, I, that have, kind of-
3: I, I am trying to visualize. You went into this parking lot and you see saw her in the in the driver's seat, sort of like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm comparing it to the Markel case, okay? Mm-hmm. Like uh, leaning over the the the, st- right. the steering wheel, right?
1: Right. So she, she Was she, she shot
3: through the door, or was she shot?
1: She she was shot through the window. It went the the, the projectile, the bullet went through it, straight through the window, and it struck her in the the back of her 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 neck area, in the back of her head.
3: So she didn't suffer too long. No, she did. Mm-hmm.
2: So let me ask something. If this was an attempted carjacking, how, I mean, didn't did it make sense that they didn't take the car? Or did they shoot? You think, and they then they said, "Oh crap! Did. I just."
3: There was and then, blood and broken glass and
2: so that that the, they they committed a crime maybe they didn't anticipate committing and they just took off. Right.
3: I I have been high on something too.
2: Okay.
1: It's very possible. We, we you know, we I, we get into the suspects a lot in the book. I talk a lot about them also.
2: Lou Jones wants to know the name of the book. The name of the book is The Case She Came In Late or Lou He Came In Late. The name of the book is The Case Baby Doll. Hey y'all, Chris Anderson. And my favorite name on this show, Shaquille Oatmeal. Shaquille Oatmeal. <laughs> <laughs> he says, Hello. Um, so okay, so let's let's keep the story going here. You uh, you know, you're more than 36 hours in and uh, no no leads. You thought you had maybe someone from the party that was a no-go. You interview all the party goers. She's alone in this parking lot that's well lit. Pick it up from there, Chris.
1: So we go into the case. uh, I I had done everything that I could possibly do in those first 36 hours. And uh, everything goes cold. Everything goes cold. I I don't have any more leads to follow up on. Uh, So I get myself together and I decide that I'm going to go home. Uh, I pack up my stuff, uh, put my case file together. And uh I remembered that my daughter had a basketball game that day. Mm-hmm. So, and it wasn't, I didn't remember it until after uh you know I was getting ready to leave. It's almost, you know, it, it's it's we're, we're deep in the case now. But I grabbed my stuff, jump in my car, turn on my lights and and I, I I push it on over to <laughs> I push it on over to my daughter's <laughs> basketball game. Uh, I get there. it's towards the end of the game and, you know, I go over and sit down with my wife and she is still, you know, you know, she's still in the, I, I just can't talk to you right now, Chris. I want to enjoy my daughter's game. I want to enjoy the environment and, you know, we're not talking. So at any rate, I go over and sit down. My son comes and jumps on my neck and the game is almost over. You know, my daughter has an excellent game. Kayla has an excellent game. Uh, and, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, we're, we're getting ready to leave and mom is doing her mom thing, you know, okay, Kayla, you need to go get your stuff together. We're going to go grab something to eat and, uh, we'll go, we'll all go home. So she knows I, I've been out for, for the time frame that I have been out. And, uh, <clears throat> she tells me, you're like, look, I'm going to take them to go get some food. They'll be out of the house for maybe an hour. They'll give you enough time. out. That's all I can give you, you know, because I know you're tired. I know you hadn't slept. Get you an hour because when they come back, I know what they're going to do. They're going to want to spend some time with their father. So, you know, I'm like, OK, I, I, I'm going to go get some rest. And she told me that she had left the food from the day before, you know, in the refrigerator. I could go and heat it up if I wanted to eat or whatever. So go home, take the shower. And uh, I uh, start eating my food and I pass out asleep. <laughs> so a few minutes later, my kids, I hear my kids running in. My, my son does exactly what he does every time. He, you know, he runs over, jumps on his dad and you know, he, he wants to talk and, and, and you know, and then Kayla comes over give me a kiss or whatever. And, and uh, she's like, you know, you can give him a bath if you want to and, and uh, put him in the bed. So I take them upstairs, talk to my son, talk to my daughter for a little while, I put my son in the tub and I talk to my daughter, you know, because now I'm I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to spend as much time as I can with them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I put my son in the bed and about an hour and a half, two hours later, I come back downstairs and I see my wife and she's in my case file.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, in his case file. Going she's, to the looking,
1: case. She's, she's looking at the case. She, I mean, she's seen it. It's been all over the news. Mm-hmm. And she says, Is this what you got called out on? And, you know, I'm tired and I'm kind of frustrated. And I said something that I didn't need to say. <laughs> <laughs> Which, in order to find out, you'll have to read the book The but,
2: case. The case.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it automatically starts a, 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 an argument. You know, mm. a, a, a huge, a, it just blows up. We get to a point and we we have this, this huge argument and, and, you know, my kids hear us arguing and they come downstairs and that now that's something that we didn't do. We didn't have arguments like this. So I knew it was, it was a lot more to it than just me being uh, absent. It, there was a lot more frustration between the two of us and uh, you know, and, and I see my kids are crying and, and they're, they're watching, you know, their parents who they don't, they, they rarely, they have rarely even seen us have a, you know, a, a, a deep discussion with an argument. They're just crying. Hmm. So I think I need to leave. You know, I, I need to get out of here. So I grab all my stuff, grab my, my case file and I leave and go to the one place where I can. Always get a good night's nice sleep to the, to the police department. <laughs> That's exactly right. Do
2: you have a bed That's there? Exactly right? Do you have a couch? Yeah. There?
1: Yeah. So we had a couch there that was. Uh, I had learned to. <laughs> I had learned to sleep on that couch. It was a certain way that you had to lay on it because there are springs and stuff that were <laughs> popping out, and if you laid on it the wrong way, on the wrong side, you get poked. But if you do knew how to do it, you could sleep on that couch. Though. Yeah, I had plenty of nights on that on that particular couch. Uh, and uh I always kept a toothbrush and in and, and some soap or something I can wash myself and clean myself up.
2: And, now, Chris, you do know. you think that a big part of this argument breaking out was your own guilt over the fact that you were so involved with your work and you knew that you were neglecting your family and you didn't know how to channel it, so you
3: no, he's exhausted at this point. He's exhausted, he's exhausted
2: <laughs> but but because I know I mean, if my that's wife, the
3: reason he snaps. Uh, if my ring.
2: wife went through my case file, I would snap at her too. But, <laughs> but, but deep down, did you know that it was your own sort of guilt about being so obsessed with your work?
1: Absolutely, I knew it was all on me. I take the I take full responsibility for it because I even talk about it. You know, look, uh, the I was a thirty year old, thirty plus year old. God, you know, the older me would have, you know, the, the, the me that I am today would have sat down, listened to what she was saying and tried to figure out a solution. The younger me would have done exactly what I did, you know, and, and, and that was the wrong way to, uh, uh, approach any type of, uh, problem in your marriage. And, uh, Carm, uh, you have a
2: question. And uh, also, no, yeah, go no, ahead. Carm. No,
3: the, the thing is, the thing is that it's maybe sequentially it's not where uh, I should butt in at this level uh, because, uh, first of all, you cannot tell us how you found the criminals because that's like, that's like we have to read it in the book. Well, okay? yeah. So that would be a spoiler if you told us. <laughs> but there is a different subject that I want to mention. <clears throat> you are now working on a book that the title is "Men, You Are Crazy,"
1: <laughs> which
3: ties in with your relationship with your family and everything else.
1: Absolutely. And uh, Absolutely. do you
3: want to talk about that book? Do you want to? Because it's you didn't try, didn't uh, publish it yet, but it's no, is it
2: classic harm taking us off of our <laughs> subject matter. Producing the, the, me, producing the show. You
3: told me, my, Sunday well, nights, I can I, bring to the table. I will
2: produce this, Carmela, and we will we will get to that. The
3: boy feels threatened. We
2: will get to that. At, we'll, we'll get to that at the end. Let's get through. I don't want to confuse everyone. No, here. but we are
3: not confusing Catherine anybody. Stefan,
2: this is important. She says, "Love listening to you read, Chris. I really hope you do an audio book. Is there going to be an audio book? There will
1: be. be. There will be. There
2: will okay. be. And this one, Sherry, if this is cracking you up. If you uh, were around my house, you would not be able to speak after or stand. You'd be doubled over. Carm, you crack me up. Joel, it's not about you. That's just, one, that's just one thing he says to me. Baby doll. I'm the black sheep of my family. It's fine. Really not. Oh, Baby he's doll. Not. But,
3: he's the gray sheep.
2: Um, and look at this comment here from Sherry's News. Kaylee was an angel on earth. God wanted her home. Um, so Chris, so, and by the way, Judy, thank you. Please do do this. Hit the like button. It'll help get this promoted. It'll help sell books for Chris. Get the word out there. And I love this STS greater than the Oscars. Shout out to a friend of the show. Catch up. Uh, appreciate that. Um, okay. So.
0: And let him, let you're ba- you're, sleep, you're sleeping
2: on the couch in the detective in the police department. You're trying to get comfortable. You're avoiding the family, and what happens next? Mm-hmm.
1: So the next thing I do is I start I start going back over. You know I go back over my case file, and now that uh, and I'm I'm, I'm pre prefacing everything, guys. So you'll have to to get the the, the full scope of what happened and how things happened. You'll have to read the book. Uh, we go back through and now uh I, I need to start drumming up more leads because uh I, I I don't have anything else that we could that that we could dive into. You know, so we start trying to we we've been getting pretty good media coverage, but now I need to give a full fledged press conference uh and and try to drum up more leads because everything that I've worked on uh
2: was was done. So, and there was, was there any video surveillance in the parking lot? Nothing. Not so, when all. you're, when you're at, when you exhaust all possible uh, leads, you turn to the media for some help. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay.
1: Yeah. You, you, I mean, look, there, there are no, there's no better partnership in solving crimes than law enforcement and the people that they serve. That there, there's no greater partnership. So, I believe that, you know, there are sometimes there are things that, you need to keep close to the best when you're early on in the investigation. But when you run out of leads, you absolutely need to go and pull in your, that
2: six man, that extra partner that you have and those other people that you serve. Okay, So how does that work? You, you start putting out a press release saying we're going to have a news conference. And then what do you, what do you ask the public for help with?
1: So I asked the public for help with uh, number one, I bring back in Kayla's mother because she's been so instrumental and, and, and helping me understand who Kayla was. So I bring her in, ask her to, uh, you know, be there with us while we're doing the press conference. And uh, my chief of police, of course, the mayor's office. And, and uh, we put out a press release to all of our local news. And um, we uh, we just tell them what we have and what we're looking for. So um, yeah, and, and you know, we have a press conference and that's when you start. Now, press conferences uh, uh, can can cut both ways. You know, sometimes you'll get leads that will help your investigation and sometimes you'll get leads that will not help you at all. So we start getting phone calls from people that are psychics. You know, that was one thing that we got and, and they're, they're giving information as if they're witnesses and things of that nature. And, you know, as an investigator, as a homicide investigator, you have to vet all of those leads. So what it actually did was we had to, I had to put together another team of investigators that were helping us out. And plus, you know, we we got a lot of help and support from the FBI during this investigation, U.S. Marshals, ATF. We had all of our uh, federal partners that were a part of this investigation. But, you know, and and I just had to figure out who can vet these leads. And we got, like, we got thousands of, uh, I won't say thousands, but we got hundreds of leads from uh, from those uh, press conferences. Uh, well,
3: the size of the bullets should determine what kind of a gun it was, right?
2: Were you able to match the ballistics and all that real quick? Love your T-shirt, Chris. Delicious coffee, criminal coffee. Uh... Followed by LBC Rob. This is an interesting comment here. Watched you for years, Chris. You were always one of my favorite people in the show. And I'm a 90 LAPD inner city youth. I don't like the police, but I like Detective Sergeant Chris Anderson. So um, thank you, thank you LBC Rob. Yeah. So um, where were we just now?
1: We were, yeah, we're at right press right We were at, at the press conference. Okay, press conference.
2: So you get a lot of psychics, a lot of stuff. Does anything come out of that that's remotely helpful?
1: Nothing at all, except for more requests to do more interviews. And we and I did a I did a lot of them. My supervisors did a lot of them. Uh, I ended up going on another a very well known uh nationally known show during that time uh, and being on I don't want to say her name but being on her show brought even more people uh that were you know with right. with a lot of claims that 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 didn't help the investigation
2: and how where are we how many days in are we right now when you have this press conference oh, man.
1: so we are probably you know
2: we're not even a
1: a, a full 2 days in Oh. uh now yeah so uh and that's that's kind of early for me to do a press conference but I, I just ran out of leads because we ran on everything else that we had
2: and let me ask you this at this point in in real life in reality are you making this whole connect because obviously you wrote the book because you had some time to reflect but in real life had you were you starting to connect this suspect the, i'm sorry this victim has the same name as my daughter things aren't going right in my marriage all of a sudden I'm meeting this, this mother, she's like very reasonable. Like, are these things all starting to play out in real time in your head that there's a lot going on in my life that's uh that needs fixing on top of just solving this case?
1: Absolutely. And I can't remember exactly where it was in the book that I wrote this, but uh, you know, after I interviewed uh, Kayla's mom, and here's when I really, really realized how, 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 Bad off, I was. Uh, I bring her back over into my little my little area where my, my desk is. And in my desk area, I have pictures of my kids and my wife and everybody that, you know, family portraits and stuff like that, uh, family photos and things of that nature. Uh and when she comes over and she's looking at the pictures of my family, and she's like, Oh, your wife is beautiful. You know, what's her name? She, this is this is a woman who's just lost her child. She's asking about my family. So that lets you know how much of a per, how how caring of a person she is, and she asks my daughter's name, and I tell her, you know, her name is Kayla, and she says she's so beautiful, and she immediately starts crying. So I have some tissues, I hand them to her, and she says, "Why are you still here?" You know, th- we this is this is day two. Yeah. Uh, she says, "Why are you still here at the office? You need to go home. You need to hug your family because." I would give anything to just hug my child again.
2: Wow. That's- this
3: is powerful as hell.
2: <laughs> it's coming from a Holocaust survivor saying this is right. you better. Buy Judy writes, the world needs more people like Chris Anderson. I'm buying his book tonight, followed by I buy the book of all your guests. This is from Blooming Rose. They are just amazing. Big hug to Chris, and thank you for all you did and do. Uh, thank you. Please buy this book. I can't wait to get my hands on it. Um,
3: can I just say one? Yes, thing? you can. Chris Bacon I, I writes, we need more people like Chris. I am anxious on this evening, th- in this uh, podcast, but I'm anxious. I'm worried. Don't tell us who the killer was. We, I want to buy the book and I want to discover it in the We book. will
2: leave some uh, yeah. suspense here.
3: Don't do that.
2: Marie Comer writes, please make your book an audible book. I'm from Birmingham. Thank you <laughs> okay. for your service. Have worked in law enforcement. Have a son-in-law currently in law enforcement, followed by Courtney. She just became a YouTube member. Someone said to me, hey, what does being a YouTube member means? And I don't know. I got to get my wife back to you on that because I don't even know. But become one. That's all I know. Followed (laughs) by Florida here. Okay. So um, this is not just a story about solving a crime. This is about trying to solve one's own life. Um, And it's interesting because I've – it's not about me, Karn, but I've been there myself. I had had to reevaluate my whole life back in 2018 when I had three kids Mm -hmm. and I was traveling – Three weeks out of uh, every month, basically. And it wasn't travel that I was expecting. It was news travel. So, uh, Chris, pick it back up. Um, Six foot five on a couch. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that is not easy. Um, It is not. Real quick, when will your book be available on Audible? Do we know?
1: Uh, It is coming up now. I'm working on it now. I just got got a couple of other things that I need to get done. You know, look, uh, uh, most of this stuff, I, it's not like I don't have a huge team or anything like that. Uh, uh, it's just me and my, my, my partner my, and my 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 publisher. She's a she's a you know, she has people that works for her. But it, it's really she and I are doing this on our own, you know, trying to get it all together. So and plus with my business schedule, man, I'm still working. I'm just trying to get all of it done. But I can guarantee you I'll have it up on Audible very, 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 very soon.
2: And Chris right before you get cracking again I want to ask my therapist mother so Chris and his wife can we have her first name what's your wife's first name Anitra A N I T R A Anitra Anitra so Anitra and Chris met when they were basically you were you high school sweethearts Yes we were Okay high school <laughs> yes, sweethearts we so the dynamic that's a very deep love that's a first love does this make it um extra special in your eyes Carmela or extra complicated or complex
3: No I mean I was 22 when I got married I met mm. my husband and and went out with him from the age of 20 uh, for me it's not so shocking as these modern people who get married late uh I got married I think, way
2: too way too young at 41
3: Yeah it was it was very funny when he was I have to tell you this because this is funny the day of his wedding, he comes to me and says, "Am I old enough to get married?" <laughs> <laughs> I wasted my youth but, on marriage. Okay, no, it's not no, about no, America. No, no, no. It is. It is. Uh, you know what? Uh, love and getting together is the biggest mystery of the of the world to me. i never i you know people get wiser with age i never discovered what makes this happen but when when two people like soulmates i think it it happened to me with my husband maybe it didn't happen to him with me but it definitely (laughs) happened with me with him i feel it was a beautiful life even though it was totally not a smooth life you know there was Right. They were bumps on the road, and I, I feel that you worked it out as it happens. I went on Google and I saw your wife, she happens to be a beautiful woman.
1: <laughs> well, thank you, I appreciate it. Right. Look at her, she's
3: a, <laughs> I'm a spy. she's a
1: detective,
2: she's a detective. <laughs>
3: right. I, have, a, I right. have to get answers on that book that he's working on.
2: So, mm-hmm. um, so now it hits home in a heavy way because you are trying to solve a homicide and the victim's mother says to you, why are you not home with your family? You only, you know, you have so much time with your family on this earth. I'd give anything to be with my family. And this is coming from the victim's mother. So how does that hit
1: you? Yeah. And and it, it hits me hard. It hits me like a ton of bricks, you know, uh, because here's a woman who's her world has been destroyed. I couldn't imagine losing one of my kids. I, I, I couldn't imagine losing any of my children, man. And and here it is. And we're pretty, pretty relatively fresh in the investigation. And she's telling me, you know, you need to, you need to take a, a a break and you need to go and see your family. But she's like that, you know, now, now that I'm, I, I'm, I, I, it took me, a you know, the, the, I don't I can't even remember how long I worked that case, but it wasn't this wasn't not the first 48 case. This was a, a case that took me months. It took me months to solve. Uh but here's a woman that that pretty fresh in the investigation, you know, is extending grace, but she did that throughout the entire investigation, even extending grace to the people who were responsible for murdering her daughter. You
3: know, I'm sitting here and thinking how the heck did he solve it? There there were no, you know, how, how, how did his, I can't wait to read the book.
2: Yeah, well, I'm curious about that too. So you literally, there's no video. There's really, there's there's no, there's no witnesses, right? So this is, this is the, the
1: definition of what most homicide investigators will call a whodunit case. Whodunit cases, most, you'll, you'll hear that term a lot. And most, uh, 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 the only people that really understand it is either police families, law enforcement officers, who's worked homicide cases, or if you've watched a couple of different episodes where they use it and explained it on first 48, so it cases you have absolutely nothing. I mean, no, no evidence, no fingerprints, no DNA, no witnesses, no, no real witnesses, which I had a witness, but he, you know, he couldn't identify anybody. So I you have nothing. So we call those cases it." Who done it cases the majority of the time don't get solved. Wow.
2: Uh you real quick, can Felita I... Dickerson right stopped here. I'll, I'll let you stop here because of Chris. I lived in Birmingham when he was on uh Birmingham PD. Congratulations on your success. Carm, what were you, you gonna I
3: I uh can I just share my fantasy with you? Don't respond. Put on a poker face.
0: That's my bad.
3: fantasy is that actually, in the end, the criminal himself either he was arrested and confessed, or he squealed to somebody in jail, or the, the the that's how you found it. There is no other way. That in my own maybe maybe if I sleep on it tonight, tomorrow I'll come up with another variation. But I would like to while. Joel doesn't want me to do this, but I want to do it. I want you to talk about this book because it's also very important. This is like a little break. You you are working on a book that says, "Men, you are crazy," and it relates to the fact how you cannot. You know, uh, people in in uh, police work, right?
2: She won't right. let go, Chris. She won't let go. She's I am not bull. one of those who let go. She's a she's a, go. she's a pit bull. She <laughs> will not let go. So no, tell us, man, no, you are
3: because I, I see the connection between. Right. Look, <laughs> you should
2: hire her as an agent. She's already already selling your next book. It's called "Man, You Are Crazy." So, what what is that about? In a few sentences.
3: No, but it relates to the fact that he he had the issues with his family. And it's a taboo. It's not permitted in certain circles, in many mm-hmm. circles. That's right. Go ahead. Take it uh, from here.
1: Mom, Kar, you are absolutely <laughs> right. We uh, I am working. My next book will be out later this uh, fall. Uh, yeah, back in, in fall of this year. Well, it is called Man, You Are Crazy. And we deal with an issue that is... Almost never spoken about in law enforcement, especially. And that's the PTSD that is involved in law enforcement. Uh, A lot of officers, like the years that I spent in in homicide, because I spent most of my investigative years in homicide. And in a city like Birmingham, where you're getting, you're working over 100 homicides a year, and it's only 10 or 12 investigators, you know, you see death a lot, a lot. And there are, each time you go on these traumatic scenes and go to these areas and make these death notifications, it does something to your psyche. Uh, and, and and in most cases, most investigative trainers tell you, don't take your work home with you. Well, that is probably the worst bit of advice that you could give anyone, because what that does is you store that trauma into your heads, and then it ends up Coming out in other ways, you start drinking. Uh, you, you uh, a lot of law enforcement officers try to commit suicide or commit suicide. You or, or you turn it to drugs. Uh, and I'm just speaking specifically for my profession, and that's in law enforcement. So myself and my co-author, uh, uh, we both work to normalize <laughs> normalize the word crazy because. In in some way, shape, or form, we all are just a little bit crazy, and the only way that we can it can can make it make others that need the help feel comfortable in getting that help
2: is by make normalizing the word. And right here is a and comment Andy. from Andy's school, Chris. How do those of us who've done so many death notices, not to, all to families where their kids lived a lifestyle that led to this possible outcome? How do you handle the memories? I have trouble. I assume Andy's school is a retired homicide detective. I mean, you talked about the trauma um, early on. Uh, Did you get help for it? Have you been diagnosed with like PTSD? Are you able to share anything along those lines? And uh, I guess, how are you dealing with it still? Because you've seen things that people haven't seen. Right. So, yeah, uh, I did not seek help
1: for the PTSD and the trauma that I went to until years after I left homicide. I knew something was wrong. Uh, I knew I had been through a lot of traumatic experiences during my career as an investigator and as a police officer, uh, that I just, it, it just went undiagnosed because I was I was just, uh, you know, I, I was one of those guys that felt like I could handle it on my own. And that is the wrong way. To uh, uh, handle any type of trauma, you need to talk to people, and and it doesn't have to be you talk to your your uh, go 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 see a doctor. Even though I would I would suggest going to see a doctor, but you can talk to your family also, and that was one of the problems that was happening in my marriage because I never talked about my cases, and that was one of the reasons why I was upset with my wife the day that she picked up my case file.
2: What? Why didn't you just do? You just wanted to keep work and and family separate? I thought that I could. I thought that I could.
1: And and you know, I didn't realize, you know, the things that I was doing, especially early on in when my when I started in homicide because when when you read man, man you are crazy, the stories I talk about in man you are crazy happened before this case happened. You know, so it it, it those cases, those investigations predate the case. Well.
3: This is when it came to a head, so to speak. Right. The, yeah. The yeah in the marriage, in in the in this uh, in in the in the book, I think what is what is important to know is that in many areas, especially in um, in police work and and so forth, they expect you be to be the strong, silent type, mm-hmm. and. And uh, it's considered like firemen and and all, all the
2: first responders. Yeah,
3: first they all they all called first responders. I even wrote that first line responding people. Yep. Uh, they they don't they can they they don't know how to ask for help and open right. up. And, and the see. irony
2: is that they're helping everyone else, right? They
3: help right. everybody else, but they don't help themselves. And it's a very important book that you will write. But right now we are going to read the one. Well, that we're going cure. back to the case. The case. To the case.
2: Meanwhile, Dennis Long to take us off track once again. Writes, Chris, are you going to write any books about the cases you investigated on the first forty-eight? This guy's going to become Shakespeare now.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I have plenty of, of cases that I, I can write about that weren't featured on the first forty-eight. Uh, the, the, the case, the, the case that I write about in, the, in, the, in my book, the case. Was not featured on the first forty-eight. Uh, I have several other cases that I would love to to talk about and how they impacted me uh, as a as a you know as an investigator.
2: And we've got a VIP comment here right here, Deb. And I'm glad I caught this. Deborah Patterson writes: "I am Kayla's aunt. Her mom is my sister. Thank you for all you did in Kayla's case. I want a signed copy of the book. Deborah definitely de- deserves a signed copy of the book. Shout out." to uh deborah patterson for hopping on here um really appreciate you being here so sorry for your loss um and so Thank you, yeah um just gave me the chills actually frankie figs writes Carm is so insightful
3: until she, she's your mother
2: 24 hours a day <laughs> a little, like, a little um Look at this. Another one. This probably puts me down at the end. Sheila Brennan. Absolutely appreciate Carm's insightful questions and comments. Joel, hope you know how fortunate you are to have such an amazing mother. I appreciate her. I am. We do
3: this Sunday. Sunday night's the worst day for me. I only uh, do podcasts now. I'm uh, partially unemployed retired. now retired and he only do it sunday nights and he he's so used to running the show by himself he cannot <laughs> rate me being here
2: courtney right <laughs> joel we appreciate you thank for thank you for bringing the best guests this is my number one channel thank you thank you thank you hit the like button please do that um so um okay so this grieving mother deborah's sister kayla's mother is absolutely devastated and she takes a time in all of her own tragedy to say, you better take care of your own family. And how does that, how does that strike you? Does it even strike you at that moment? You say, Hey, I better get home. I better get my ass off this couch and go make up with my wife. Or do you say I'm too invested in my case still and you ignore everything or how does it? No,
1: no, I I won't say that. I was, uh, it hit me like a ton of bricks because she was absolutely right. Uh, I had been at this now, I mean, and for, for her particular case, it had only been, you know, 48 hours, maybe, you know, not it, it, we were pretty early in, in uh, the investigation during that time. But I had been doing the exact same thing that I was doing, you know, during that time for, for years now. So for, for her, it was 48 hours. For my wife, it had been years. So I decided that you know I needed to ch- change how I was doing things. I needed to to really sit down with her, let her know about some of the things that was happening because Kayla's case hit me so hard that there would be times, you know, I, I would be sitting down, you know, uh, 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 and I would still see her face. So I would see my daughter's face every time I went back and looked through the crime scene photos. Or if I'm going back to to the vehicle and we're, we're, we're pulling some evidence from the car, I could still see Kayla's face or my daughter's own face. And I realized that, you know, I needed to to change what I was doing and how I was operating, if I'm gonna be a better father, if I'm gonna be a better husband, I had to change it. And and it was I I, I credit a lot of that to Robin uh and, and how she responded to me as her investigator and as her friend, because we are, we are still good friends today. I I consider her a friend.
2: So, so how many, how many years ago was this case roughly?
1: Oh, wow. I think this, this case happened in 2007, 2008. Okay. Okay. Can I I say
3: something? It's your
2: show, Carm. You can say whatever you want. My
3: show. If I say something, you say it's your show. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, um, You know, I I did mental health stuff, Mm -hmm. and I was married, I'm married to a psychiatrist. Okay, so Uh so we sometimes even worked together. The introduction to what I'm going to say now. I have this feeling that for you to become a cold-blooded detached completely person it was a bigger challenge because you're a very warm caring person
2: absolutely absolutely so, I, I don't I, go ahead carm i'm sorry so
3: that's that's you were
2: kind of going i think she's saying you were going against your grain because by nature you're yes, very yes well, let me just get a couple comments in here. queen tiffany writes hi Ms. carm my first time seeing her live and not as a cardboard cutout um she does exist um where's this one? still
3: still not for a long
2: i like this other one and it's this one here says chris you will become the next hemingway i'm not sure if that's what he wants but he will and then uh, on no, to no, carolyn no, no, from hemingway. california joel and Carm. sgs always has the best and most interesting guests it's not just a tagline it is who we are um here's this question chris this is a great way to pivot and go a little bit longer and then we're not going to give up the whole book but um your mom's cat writes, What did you teach your children, especially Kayla, about how to stay safe in college? Uh, what, what did you, I mean, that's an important issue. Um, yes, I thought you, it's very
3: good.
2: Yeah. So, what advice absolutely. do you have?
1: So, you know, um, the number one thing is always travel in groups, especially for young girls. Always travel in groups and make sure the group that you're traveling with are people that you truly, truly trust. To you know, hold you accountable for some of the things that you do. Uh, you know, if you go to a party and you you drink too much, be either you be that person that that is willing to leave that party, take your friend home, or let that person sleep in your room, or you make sure that you're with people that can hold you accountable for some of the things, or you you are holding them accountable for some of the things that you do in, in college. You know, uh, and 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 to make. <laughs> my daughter went to the same college that Kayla was going to. She graduated from that college. And, uh, you know, so I, I offered her a lot and the college never had anything to to. They were, they weren't responsible in any way, shape or form. This was, uh, this was a group of men that committed the most heinous crime in society. And, uh, well, you'll have to read more about the story to find
2: out what happened,
1: so um, yeah,
2: I offer a lot of advice to kids in college how uh just back to the the case man, I got a couple of more questions, and we'll we'll wrap her up but um back to this notion of who done a case where you don't have surveillance, you don't have witnesses you have you really have nothing um How do you stay focused on it? I mean, it's literally like pulling a rabbit out of a hat, right? Like there's no one, nothing. So how, after the first 48, so to speak, are are you still working this case nonstop? And what what are you trying to like, like, how can you pull something out of nothing, I guess is my question.
1: So, you know, look, I've always been uh, the, the investigator that believes I would rather be lucky than good any day. Uh, and I was a, I was a decent investigator, but a lot of cases, you know, I just counted up as luck. Uh, uh, and when I, whenever I've run out of, I've completely investigated a case that, and I don't have any more leads. I usually start back over at the beginning because ninety percent of the time, you you've forgotten something, you've missed something, or that was something that you were supposed to do that you didn't do it. I restarted this case about three times. I mean, just completely going back over from the beginning, going through all of the information, uh, going back through any lineups, anybody that I spoke with, going back and re-interviewing anyone that saw her that day, going back and looking at some of those leads that we got during the the press conferences, making sure that all of those were vetted. Yeah, I, I did it about three times
2: until I finally got the lead that I needed. Catherine Stefan writes, Chris, if your book is half as good as you're telling the story, it will be a bestseller. Um, this is an important question from Nightwood. Uh, is it difficult for law enforcement to seek therapists? Is it hard to get the help, Chris?
1: It's very, it's not hard. It is hard for uh, officers to go and seek out the help that they need. It's, it's not hard. I mean, because there's there's more help available now for any profession than it was back, you know, 10 years ago when I was investigating cases. There's way more help. Uh, but. The problem is. I don't think it is, it, 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 but it's still the thought of it is still kind of taboo, if you will. It, it's not something that that most law enforcement officers will seek out or even think that they need that type of help.
2: So, for those of you who don't know, every Friday I've got Detective Phil Waters on. He's Houston homicide, uh, a Houston homicide detective. He investigated over four hundred cases, and he's also a marine. Uh, he's as tough as they get, and I didn't know that the great Chris Anderson is six foot five. He's a, a veritable giant. These are big, <laughs> well, they tough. They
3: appear together, right? Yeah, they.
2: they if you missed are- the last episode, it's it's Chris and Phil Waters this past Friday. Check it out. But um, they're big, tough guys, and uh, I asked Phil Waters, um, and you know he had a he, one of the cases he had to solve was his his, uh, former partner, um, was shot and killed in the line of duty, a police officer. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's, he said that they also got called. I I didn't realize this, but, uh, the homo, and I don't know if this is the same in Birmingham, but in Houston, the homicide unit, no matter what gets called out to every dead baby scene. So he said he saw Mm -hmm. more dead babies than he ever cared to see. And this is a big, strong guy uh, who wears Hawaiian shirts, but, uh, you know, I'm sure it's difficult. He's a very religious man, which I'm sure helps him. Um, mm-hmm. But it is uh, it is not an easy job for sure. You're
3: a great team with with Chris.
2: Uh, for sure. Um, Thank you, Carl. Thank you. Really, Chris? Just finally, I'm just curious. Like, when did you decide I'm going to write a book about this? Um, and I'm going to share my story because it's not easy to to share your story. Uh, you know, yeah. So I I started actually
1: writing the book about three years ago and, you know, I don't know what prompted me to do it. I, I was sitting around, uh, it was right during COVID time. Uh, so I just started writing and I didn't know where it would go. I didn't know how I would put it all together. It was like, I was just putting ideas down on paper and I started thinking about, you know, uh my time in homicide and how i got to that point because i tell the story of how i got to the point of <laughs> of working homicides uh which is interesting within itself uh and and then uh you know i write about this particular case but you know so yeah it i it was it just happened i ended up taking 2 years off from writing because i wanted to finish up my degree which i did and uh Right after I finished up my degree, my wife says, Chris, are you going to ever finish that book? And I was like,
2: Yeah, you're right. So I finished it up and, you know, we're here now. That's the irony. The wife got on your ass and made you finish it. That's that's a great irony. Uh, Rebecca writes, Chris, you are the best, so inspiring. Followed by, I'm sorry for what you've been through, but you, I got, I need better glasses, but you've turned into an amazing experience. Of personal growth, look at this, Carm. This makes me laugh. From Geraldine, a friend of the show, I appreciate how gentle and kind, she's speaking about me, not Chris Anderson, as well as respectful you are to your mom.
3: This is the, new the world. And- the
2: world needs more men that show such <laughs> intentionality. Oh I love that. God. Followed by Patricia Still Burns. I love Carm. My mom died. Sorry to hear that, Patricia. Yeah. When I was very mm-hmm. small, and I would give every moment of my future for just ten minutes in my mom's company. I know it's not the same, but I will loan her out in ten minutes. <laughs> um, at a very. Love Todd. I was going to say at a very small price. So, uh, last question, the most obvious question, I guess, is uh, how are you and your wife and your Kayla? And uh, I know Chris Anderson Jr. popped on the show the other day, so I know he's well. How is the family unit? Today,
1: so I actually have two daughters. My oldest daughter is Kiara. My my daughter Kayla is, and my wife and my is my wife and I's daughter. And my son Chris Jr. Uh, they are all adults. I, I, I they are doing great. They have you know, I, I I'm as proud as I can be to to call them my children. And uh, my my oldest daughter and my son Chris Jr. They have made me a grandfather, which is the greatest title that any man could ever have. And woman. Uh, And woman. That's right. This grandparenting thing is amazing. So uh, yeah. Uh, So I'm just, we're doing great. My wife and I are doing great. Uh, We're about to take a, uh, I have a a little bit of business that I need to handle uh, within the next month or so, but we're going to take a nice vacation, which is something that we've not done in a very, very long time uh, in the next couple of months. So I'm excited about that.
2: You definitely deserve that. Yeah. And the wife deserves it even more. Perpetua writes, watch Reasonable Doubt for years. Chris is so humble and so committed to giving families closure and peace. Followed by this. Uh, Hi, Joel Carm, and love from Ireland. I cannot wait to read the case. The Man, you're looking at right now is Detective Sergeant Chris Anderson, retired. He's now a chief of police for which university, Chris? Talladega College in Talladega, Talladega Alabama. Talladega, Alabama. He's the chief of police now. He's moved up in the world. Uh, but he is a retired uh, Birmingham Police Department veteran with 27 years of experience. He co-hosted Investigation Discovery's uh, show, Reasonable Doubt, and you saw him on a 1st 48 Hours from Birmingham, He's also a host of the Crime and Cookie Juice podcast and author, as you've been hearing, of the just released book, The Case, uh, which you can buy right now on Amazon. And look at this. Look at this. (laughs) Shelly T. Oh, no, that's Roll Tide. That's not the one I wanted to bring. This is the one I want. That's good, too. But Cheryl Brady goes, just ordered the book. Carm, do you know what Roll Tide even means, Carm?
3: Roll Tide? <laughs> yeah, the, the hardest thing for me to, is to utter, I don't know.
2: At the University of Alabama, uh, Chris Anderson will have to take a ride up for an Alabama football game, oh, Carm. No, it, it's yeah, an experience. I don't, <laughs> you'll, never, you'll never forget
3: I am local right now.
2: And, and Chris, I don't know what this means, but you do. Harold Dull, a friend of the show, says, I live in Cropville. Don't arrest me. (laughs) Um, Followed here by Northern Ireland, Ninkum Poop. Chris speaking out about mental health will hopefully help others to do the same. So poignant to hear a strong man get real. Followed by Nightwood. Very good advice. I always have someone walk me to my car. Please be well, be safe. Buy the book, The Case, by retired Detective Sergeant Chris Anderson. Everyone's saying, get him back on the show. We will definitely 100% for sure get him back on the show. It's an Hopefully
3: honor. he will want to come back.
1: Chris, I would love to come back, I, I, but I, I know now I need to come back on Sunday night when <laughs> you're with
3: us. Oh, oh thank
2: <laughs> you, <baby. laughs> Love you, America. Appreciate it. Pre- appreciate Chris Anderson. Love you, America. Love you, Birmingham.
0: This is the sound of the new Raspberry Watermelon Dunkin' Refresher. And sure, your ears might be all like, nope, that's just the sound of an ordinary iced coffee shaking in a cup. But this sonata, created from a sweet yet subtly tart blend of raspberry and watermelon flavors harmoniously joining in a cup, it could only be the new Raspberry Watermelon Dunkin' Refresher. Try it and all the Dunkin' Refreshers this summer. Dunkin' Iced. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer terms apply.
4: Final seconds of the game. A chance to score, and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (laughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system, or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothies, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com/ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward/ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com/ranks.